Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. I want to start by reading something. We, like you, have loved with only our eyes. Uh, We, like you, exchanged vows for security and a false permanence as a way to control. And we, like you, have lost the new love that is compassion and honesty over timelines and promises, focusing on depth instead of width, letting go of what was, including blueprints and old folded uh, and old folded increased definitions from our parents that we still keep in our back pocket. Leaning into something new without strings, new love that stems from courage, not fear, courage to speak truth and accept differences, understanding that pain is not a reason to blame, but a part to love, like discoloration on a leaf. Courage to show shortcomings and weaknesses, to sit with and through, to hold on to yourself before holding on to the other. And if the other drops to their knees, not to drop with them, but to stay standing, offering a hand, not a life. The new love is purpose-driven, not ego-driven, greater than its parts. The new love comes in moments, moments that stand alone and are not defined by years. The new love redefines beauty as how the other makes you feel, not just as attraction and your preferred aesthetics. The new love is about a beautiful person, not beautiful people. And it examines energy, flow, and the spiritual dance. The new love is a slow burn, not lightning in a cracked bottle. What are your thoughts on that? Um, Anything, what comes up for you? Lucille, uh, what are your thoughts on that, what I just read? Um, so funny. I was always the first kid in class to raise my hand. Um, I honestly, like, I remember when I was, um, getting out of my last relationship and I had, I had like a very hard fall and I had the lightning in the bottle and I was like, oh, this, this is what they write books about. Right. Um, and in my current relationship, that was the slow burn of the real build, like very uncomfortable moments. Like Pamela just said of like, like I was in like a very skittish mode where something good happened and I had to like lean into it, but it was very painful. Um, so I do, I, yeah, John, I think I'm, I totally see the value of the slow burn and like seeing the person, um, you know, not just like this, this beautiful image or idea of what you thought your life would be or your relationship would be. Um, and I do think it takes a lot of work and it, it's funny because this relationship that I'm currently in, I'm like the most out of of anything I've ever been in only because it's like continuous like work and like consciously like communicating with each other and like learning like pitfalls of the past and trying to keep them in. So um yeah I'm 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 a believer of the slow burn, I guess is the long story short of it. I love what you just said, Lucille, about being proud of your relationship, right? Mm. Like it's it's something that you have built. 
right? Yeah. And like anything, I mean, what we might say like, oh, I'm so proud of where I am in my career. I'm so proud of, you know, my children. I'm so proud of, like, there's all these things that we say I'm so proud of, but I feel like I very rarely hear people say like, I'm so proud of my relationship. And and I think if you know that you've done your 50% of the, the building of that healthy relationship, it is something to be proud of. So I just want to call out that I love the usage of that word. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, definitely not without, not without, uh, Work. Like I think but that's it. That's why you're proud of it. <laughs> exactly why I'm proud of it, right? But you know, I have to say, like, I also going back to last session, we were talking about like holding up the mirror to yourself. Like I still have pitfalls all the time. Sure. And yep. so I mean that's why I think something like this is so good. It's because it's just like it's never really done, right? Like right. you have to be constantly looking out for that. Um I don't okay. know, it's like a it's like a iceberg in the water or something. Uh, yeah, and I think when you stop is um, when you you know when you stop growing, when you stop um, evolving, and also I wanted to point out the the new love uh, can also be the same relationship. Do you know what I'm saying? So if you're in a relationship where um, you're both uh, growing or going to couples or um, trying to create new relationship dynamics, uh, you could still create a new love in the relationship that you're in. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if both people are kind of coming at it, committed in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Marisol? Yeah, hi. Um, I like the part that says, I will offer you my hand and not mm -hmm. my life. Yeah. That was my last relationship. I think I offered my entire being and sacrificed myself. And in this new current relationship, um, I kind of let my partner take accountability and own his own stuff rather than me taking on his pain and you know stuff that it, he's responsible for so mm -hmm. that he spoke out to me yeah thank you um and uh speaking of prince he has a lyric in a song um i will die for you mm -hmm. right which of course sounds romantic and it's like oh you'll die for me <laughs> um but uh yeah i uh i wrote that because i realized uh that that is um a huge dependency in a place where you are um, now two people in a jacuzzi on top of each other instead of two people in separate uh, bathtubs, right, looking out in the same direction. So a lack of boundaries. I want to speak to that too, Marisol, because it reminds me of, you know, I was very similar in my last relationship. And I think, you know, and I spoke to this idea of choosing myself, I think last week or maybe the week before, and I, I was talking about how in that relationship in particular, um, my partner actually had the romantic, I'll put that in air quotes, romantic idea that somebody losing themselves in you and for you and giving their life and not their hand um, is what romance and, and love needed to look like. And anything less than that wasn't enough. And there was a, a realization that I came to in that moment of choosing myself and that relationship was really a catalyst for me, I think, in a lot of my work. I had a realization that that his desire, his romanticizing that actually had nothing to do with me, that it could be me or it could be any random person that he decided to be in a relationship with. That was a hole in him that no one could ever fill but him. And so I think for a lot of us, there's a lot of romantic ideals, and I talk about codependency a lot, right? Within the codependency kind of realm of how we relate to each other, 
But the reason why codependent relationships don't work is because they're not about the other person. They're about you, right? They're about the hole in you that you expect or think other people can fill. And when we realize that, that's when we start to choose ourselves, right? And that's when we start to say, I will give you my hand. And actually, that is the loving thing to do. That is the romantic actual uh, romantic thing to do, right? So I'm glad that you said that, Marisol, because it, it brought up that kind of remembering for me around being like that realization of like, oh, this actually isn't about me. It's not, you know? Um, so thank you for putting words to that. You know, what's interesting is um, when I was growing up, uh, uh, because we were um, Korean, um, there were uh, the way that the culturally, the way that we, our family ran was um, there is no you or me. There's only us, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I actually, I love this in that all the money was in the pot. And if John needed some designer jeans, it went there or if mom needed that. Um, and then when we were 18, it wasn't suddenly like we were adults. So you make your own money. Um, it continued until we got married. Right. So um, there was this like all for one collective collective. Yeah. We go down together. Um, there is no you or I. There's only us. And I think a lot of that bled into my definition of romantic relationships. Um, because that was just culturally, uh, what, well, you know, um, where, where I, where I came from, how I was raised and I realized, um, that was not healthy. But I think there's so much beauty in that. I mean, I, I think that there's so much beauty in more collectivistic cultures that we can actually take a lot from and, sure. and, and love for what they give us and also potentially step back and say, and in this area of my life, I can see also how it's leading to, you know, this codependency, this enmeshment, mm -hmm. all these things that we talk about, because I talk within the codependency world about like, it is worthy to, to, to recognize that there are cultures that don't view things like boundaries the same they don't yeah. view things as yeah. you know um this path of individualism the same like there's a cultural component to it that definitely needs to be touched on so i'm glad you said that john um and i think every one of us needs to figure out like what that balance is right like the healthy balance between like collective and you've taught me so much in that like because of your background I actually, you know, John has done so many amazing things for me in that realm of being like, no, we're in this together. Like, this is how it works, right? Because I come from such a hyper individual, single parent, um, you know, and Western kind of way of looking at things, it's always me and mine and it's you and yours. And you've done amazing things to be like, that's not always the case. So I think there is this beautiful blend that we can all work to, I don't know, hopefully embody, at least that I, that's what I'm trying to do. I keep reminding Vanessa that it's our child, not just, my, not just mine. <laughs> I said, Logan is both of our, anyway. <laughs> hey, wanted to share with you something I'm super excited about. If you go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium, you not only get commercial free episodes, but also something I'm introducing called series, rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons, but what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. So you were talking about like doing things as a team. Mm -hmm. um, so my husband and I have been together for 15 years and about seven years ago, I got sick with an illness that made me disabled, fully disabled. Mm -hmm. And uh, we struggled because we had our specific roles that we both had. And all of a sudden, everything had to change. Mm -hmm. You know, he had to take care of everything for us. And, you know, we did everything together. Like we socialized, we worked together, we did everything. 
And then when all of a sudden I started having these health issues, I was like dragging him down with me and Mm -hmm. he had to compensate for everything that I was lacking. And so now it's just like trying to figure out how he can be independent, how I can be independent and still feel like we're together and yet still be independent people. So like we've done a lot of work over the last couple of years of like showing him how he can be independent. So now I'm trying to figure out how I can be independent with a disability and still with him and also without him. Cause like the illness has completely like wreaked havoc on our whole relationship yeah. and just yeah. redefined everything as we came in together. Like we're, we're different people now. And so it's like, we don't even know if we're going to last through the end of this because mm-hmm. of how much it's changed everything. So like, that's why I bought the book to see like, if we can create a new relationship out of the old one that we used to have. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think many people don't see that as an option. Many people um, like cars just, dis- you know, it's salvage. I need a new one instead of uh, saying, you know, um, how can we repair this? How can we create something new, a new dynamic, a new love, new definitions, especially when something like this happens in life? Um, it won't survive unless there's something new, unless something um, new evolves and grows out of this, you know. So I'm glad that you said this, Lee, because this, so the chapter that we're kind of circling around today is love like it's going to end. And I'm sure for you having this illness, like I'm sure there was probably a lot of moments, I imagine that there was a question around like, you know, is there an end? Um, And like, when will that end be? And so I just want to read the first chapter that I wrote in this part. I say, to love like it's going to end is a reckoning. A reckoning with the undeniable reality that life ends, that none of this is promised, that I can live until I'm 100 and die peacefully in my sleep, or I can walk outside and get hit by a bus tomorrow. And if I knew without a doubt that tomorrow was my last day on earth, then how would I want to love today? Not just live, but love, because loving is living, right? And then I go into, for me, a lot of this is is mindfulness, right? I I know I talk about that a lot, but I say, When we strengthen our ability to stay present through mindfulness and meditative practices, we pull ourselves out of the future and the past and we land in the now. We enhance our ability to smell the fragrance of the jasmine blooming in the spring, our ability to notice the vibrancy of the colors in the sunset, our ability to feel an actual warmth in our body when our child laughs or our partner gives us a look from across the kitchen. And to me, this is what John means when he says focus on depth instead of width. And I love the idea of continuing to bring mindfulness into relationships because kind of like what John was saying when when he said, how do you know? And I said, I don't. None of us do. None of us know what tomorrow is going to bring, right? So if we're going to love like it's going to end, it gives us the freedom, especially for people, you know, somebody in your situation, Lee, where I had the freedom to say, okay, today, how do I want to love? Today, how do we want our relationship to look? Because it's not going to look like it did yesterday. We're not the same people as when we went to sleep last night, you know? Um, let alone 15 years ago when we met. And, um, you know, Esther Perel talks a lot about how in in a long-term relationship or a marriage, she talks about how you're going to basically be married to like five or 10 versions of this person, right? Mm. Like you'll go through five marriages in one marriage. And we have to start accepting that that's the reality if we really do want a long-term partnership um, instead of holding somebody to like, well, this is who you were, right? When I met you and this is my expectation of who you'll be forever and that can even mean in 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 the form of physical disability right like this is who you are i want you to stay this way we change things happen there's a lot of courage in loving like it's going to end because for most people if they uh think it's going to end why would they invest so Mm. for most people it's like oh it's going to end well why would i love you then yeah you know so 
um, it's now tied to something. It is contingent, yes. right? So if you say love like it's going to end, it cuts that rope and it leaves you vulnerable. There are no more promises. Mm -hmm. uh, love is um, courageous. Love is a gift. Love is a choice. And it's heavy. Um, but at the light, but it's light at the same time, right? Yeah. Because it's not tight to anything anymore. But it's heavy, heavy in the sense that um, you really have to stretch your heart. You really have to be generous, you know. And maybe the word's not generous. I don't know. I like that word. You have actually. to give. You have to give of, give of yourself, not yeah. in not in like a codependent or a martyr way, but you have to give of yourself because you're giving without any guarantee. And if two people did that, um, man, things can change very fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, if two people can love like it's going to end, suddenly the little things don't matter, don't bother you as much. Um, there's now room for uh, gratitude, appreciation. Um, and going into what we're going to talk about today, um, you can now find beauty in the differences, the contrast. So for uh, Vanessa and I, um, one of the my greatest learnings, because we are so different, is... Um, instead of running, leaning into uh, finding beauty in our differences. And I believe this is an ability, and I believe it's foundational, right? And I believe it's a practice, this, it's a practice <laughs> and, I, and I believe it, it's what it's what it's part of um, what's required to create a new love. Mm. Because if you're only tracing what was and what you're used to, if you're only going after certain types, then there is no new love, right? Then you're just um, repeating uh, what what was what you're used to right either either what smells familiar from childhood or um whatever and so i think this is why um when you're single you have so much opportunity to really kind of you know lay new tracks uh, to think differently this is why i tell people don't just date your types and you know stretch yourself um, because then when you get into the relationship you have now done a warm-up mm. <laughs> right and now you're like okay um, i've learned some things about myself and now uh, the heavy lifting may not be as heavy. Mm. Uh, so for Vanessa and I, yeah, in the beginning, um, we were so different that I thought, uh, I don't know if she's for me. And then when I made the conscious decision to now look at our differences um, and find beauty in the contrast, that's when things start tipping. That's when I started realizing, oh, the way that she does that, that's not like me, I actually appreciate. Oh, I actually find what she finds funny, um, adorable, and char you know what I'm saying? I actually find, you know, whatever, her organization skills or whatever whatever that is opposite of me or what I'm used to, um, beautiful. You know, and so now instead of trying to control, now it's lined with appreciation. It's interesting when you talk about the differences because I think for you, the differences between us were so much more apparent in the beginning of the relationship yeah. well because in the beginning i had i put a black light to us right well right? the the, the differences were almost like what made you put the black light to us right yeah. and i think for me the differences i would say the practice of seeing the beauty in somebody for me actually tends to show up i don't think it's just with you tend to show up for me once the um the initial kind of whatever like wears off. Like I think that's when I actually, cause I'm, maybe it's because I'm like such an extrovert and I can kind of like, I always jokingly say like, I can have a riveting conversation with a brick wall, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can be friends with anybody <laughs> cause I'm such an extrovert. 
that for me the differences tend to tend to become more apparent once that initial lovey sexy thingy you know kind of that feeling wears off and you're like oh real person standing in front of me not just a projection right and so the practice is definitely i would say not just something that you're saying this but not just something in the beginning but for me the practice around loving um, the differences is when i notice the difference and it irks me right yeah. as it will yeah that irritation, that annoyance, why wouldn't they do it this way? Like yeah. this is the right way to do it, right? Especially for a type A person like me that I always think my way is the right way. Um, it becomes a practice of looking in the mirror again and saying, you chose John, you chose John, you chose this person for a reason, if not many reasons. And so is this difference, like what was it about this difference that made you choose him. Cause that's what you're remembering needs to be. You need to remember why you chose this person, right? You brought him into your sphere, whether consciously or not, you brought him into your sphere for a reason. And so I love looking at the differences as things to remind myself like, oh, right, okay. That difference that we have, like that was the reason that I was drawn to you. That was the reason that I fell in love with you. That was the reason. Um, and so I, I use that as I think like a mindful practice and to make this uh, about something bigger than than um, its parts, right? To make this about something greater than yourself, um, and this is all relationships. The difference is what's going to stretch you, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> if, if you have a best friend and you guys are best friends, and it's great, you guys have so much in common, and you guys finish each other sandwich, uh, sandwiches. Sandwiches. Hey, that was that was from that's from having a toddler oh who watches God. too much Frozen. Anybody uh, who knows that that quote, finish will know. <laughs> each other's sentences. <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> there, there, there may not be a lot of, yes, there's a lot of connection Good and that. stuff, but there isn't a lot of, um, growth. And then eventually one of, you know, one of the, the, the friends, um, um, grows and evolves and maybe starts to drift and, and outgrow. Right. Um, and I think with, uh, partnerships, um, differences can be what becomes the catalyst to our uh, individual growth. And then, totally. um, it becomes bigger than us, right? It kind of um, creates our evolution. We become uh, different human beings, and then that affects you know all of our relationships and and you know how we show up in the world. So and woo wee, it's hard. Let's be real. Yeah, of course, because who wants to change? No one wants to change, you know. And so I think um, to the choice to love someone is to um, to let go in that way, mm -hmm. is to accept, is to um, try to find beauty in the differences. Now, that being said, you know, if if you have different values that 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 right. uh, you know, like let's say we Vanessa and have you know different, you know, political beliefs and let's say we have different values uh, life values, then that's different, right? So we're not talking about things that are deal breakers. We talk about the difference, right, between red flags and differences. Yeah, yeah. I'm t talking about differences in the mundane. I'm talking about um, you know, vegetarian I eat meat, <laughs> yoga, CrossFit, you know, like just difference, you know, uh, in um, how we live. Yeah, there's our one, tastes, not yeah, so much tastes. how we live. Yeah. But also too, I, I actually, and then I want to open it up to you all because I've been talking a lot. I, I, there are some differences that I would say, I mean, I'm just going to speak for myself here and be like very transparent. So I think there's also is differences for us where I have said, this isn't just a preference thing like it's actually a fundamental difference in who we are as people right and i have actually had to reckon and like really sit with myself and say something about this 
we'll just say bothers me or whatever irks me like what is that let's get to the bottom of it let's let's figure out why because obviously it's about me and we've had to talk about that we had to have those conversations right so like john for example is somebody who you know he's he always says like i build the bus while driving it and as like and a producer, like I was a producer for 10 years, like the type A, I, like that makes me anxious just thinking about building the bus no. while driving it. I need to have like a blueprint and a plan and directions and like the team in place, right? And so that difference for us, I think has been a really interesting conversation, conversation, key word, that has continued to happen because there's been times where that mentality, I love it and I, it liberates me and it makes me uncomfortable in the best way. And then there are times when that makes me feel unsafe. Right. Right. And right. it makes me feel ungrounded. And I'm like, well, are you looking both ways before you cross the street? Like it makes me feel like that, you know? And so there are times when something that might not be a red flag is something still to continue to drop in and have dialogue about. And, and, you know, we've had these conversations and John had said like, that's fair, you know, and I'll, I'll do my, my best to be more present when we're in this situation or whatever. Um, but had I not had the awareness to go, what is that? Oh, it makes me feel unsafe then I, I wouldn't have been able to have that kind of conversation with you about something that is a difference in us as people. Yeah. Know? Any thoughts on, on that piece? Um, a anywhere? lot of pieces, I know. Right, a lot <laughs> of pieces. But generally speaking, finding beauty in the a contrast, which is, um, I've never read that in a book before, in a relationship book before, but um, that's that's a, a part in this book. Any thoughts, what comes up for you? Or the any, love language. Any questions? Just unmute your mic. Yeah, Leslie. Leslie, please. Uh, hi, uh, I was going to bring up that uh, just like Vanessa, I have been in several relationships, sort of short term that um, kind of the rose cover glasses come off. And then I see the person and I'm like, Ooh, mm. oh, no, like, I find myself um, very much in love with the prospect of love. I love love. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all do. Um, I'm trying to get to a point and I'm realizing more and more that, um, as I get into relationships, I'm seeing that person as like a friend first. Mm. And then on top of that, like, do I like how I feel with them and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, as I was younger in my twenties, I'm 30 now. Um, and I got out of a relationship a couple months ago, I think about how I want to approach a new relationship and how I kind of ease into it and want to have a slow burn because I've had a lot of explosions of, you know, love, and then it kind of falls flat because mm. I realized who they were. So mm. it's, um, so that's what comes to mind for me. So thank you. Do you also finish people's sandwiches? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> like, at, like at restaurants, you just walk in and just like take them out of there. Yes. Yeah. If it's a good one, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else before we move on? Questions, thoughts, um, shares? Of I have a question that I actually want to put out there for you all. Maybe this will get some some wheels turning. <clears throat> so what would a new love look like for you? And remember that, like John said, a new love doesn't have to be with a new person. It can be a new love with the same person. By slowing down and intentionally bringing mindfulness into your relationship or ships, how can you start to change the way you see love? So I'd love to know from somebody who what a new love might look like for them. Ooh, let's start with Lucille. Just to put <laughs> yeah, on the spot. poor Lucille. And what then does Lisa. Uh, what does a new love look like for you, Lucille, these days? Um, that is a very good question. Um, 
and very well timed. Uh, I think a new love is um, I need to be more patient. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of like it actually like creepily almost exactly what Vanessa was just talking about of the I do things this way. You know, why aren't you doing things this way? Um, yesterday I was I, my partner and I were out sailing. I like to sail. And this was a, something that I did. I learned how to do after my last breakup where I was like, I want to do something that makes me feel empowered and it requires tying knots and, <laughs> and you know, whatever. Awesome. So, so I started learning how to sail and I love it, um, but it's dangerous. You know, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a weird thing. And I realized that like so much of me sailing is like, just, I'm very bad at explaining things. Um, and I can get really impatient when I'm like, if that person, if the other person on my boat isn't like mm -hmm. symbiotically connected to my brain. And I was thinking about, so anyway, I snapped at my partner to like sit down on the boat when there were big waves or something. And I felt awful about it later. Um, and I apologize, but I kind of thought like, as a, that's, that's kind of like a repetitive pattern for me of like, mm -hmm. if someone in anything that I'm doing, I find myself getting annoyed, um, when we're not on the same page about something, but then I realize that I haven't actually like maybe stopped to explain what page I'm on. Um, so I think maybe a big part of a new love for me might be just checking in with myself constantly to make sure that I've actually like verbalized some of the things that I'm like feeling and thinking through so that I don't snap <laughs> at the other person. Yeah. Um, you know, and just being safe in general um, with like heavy machinery, that might be part of my new love too. <laughs> so new love, um, being patient. Yeah, that's, I mean. Communicative. I yeah, thank you. Yeah. Lisa, what about you? I'm trying to work on finding people that are willing to grow, that are willing to do this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because my parents and my two younger sisters, all personality disorders, I'm in the, <laughs> and I'm the only one without one. And I've been dating people with personality disorders. And through the book, I realized that I expect people to change or get their shit together in order for me to feel loved because I never got that with yeah. my family. Like I'm the only one in recovery. And so that was like lonely separating and coming away from them. And I realized that I keep repeating that over and over again. And I was predominantly dating women for like 30 years mm -hmm. and now have switched to men, which sucks, <laughs> but it is what it is. Is that why you're in space? You've just left. <laughs> I'm, done. I'm out. I'm going to find a different, different species. Lesbian <laughs> relationships are so much better, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, for me, sorry, for but me. <laughs> just emotionally. Right. So it's very different deal it for me dealing with men and then being attracted to bad boys is just awful <laughs> so but I really I like really got in touch with the book of like how how codependent and how <clears throat> impossible it is for me to like date somebody with a personality disorder or a severe mental illness and expect them to make changes or even want to make changes or a drug addict like <laughs> I just keep doing that to myself over and over again and then feeling like abandoned that they're not doing the work that I am doing and I end up doing all this work. Right. So can I ask is, is part of the attraction, um, that you can, um, play savior or you could fix them or you can, um, you know, does, does it give you a cape to date someone 
who uh, is a fixer upper or who has potential, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not like conscious. I, I try not to be do that yeah, initially, but it's happening like over and over again. Mm-hmm. And of course I come off like the savior because I've been in recovery for like ever. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm choosing people that are not there. Right. Yeah. So yes, initially I do come off that way and I do help them a lot, but then I'm just like lot feeling like totally abandoned by the fact that they're not doing it for me or doing it. I want to speak to that because I think, you know, whether they're in this kind of same situation, Lisa or not, I think a lot of people can relate to this, you know, I'm going to go a little bit into like the depth psychology world, but we have to understand that like our, our ego is really what keeps us in this place of not wanting to grow. Right. I think I said this maybe a couple of sessions ago, but I want to reiterate it. My ego has a very specific idea of who I am and what I am. And, and, you know, when I'm out in the world and so unconsciously for so many of us, we will continue to choose partners over and over again that that convince us of that story we already have of ourselves, even if that story is bullshit. Even if that story is people leave, I'm unlovable, nobody changes for me, I do all the work by myself, right? All the, all the stories, we all know these stories. We will unconsciously continue to prove that story to ourselves over and over again so that our ego can go, see? See, I told you, see? Because it's actually harder for us to convince our ego otherwise than to just keep repeating the same bullshit patterns over and over again. That is why that's not the only reason why, but that is one of the big reasons why it is so hard to choose differently. Because you have to remember, you're you're actually telling yourself what you believe about yourself is is bullshit, and that's really hard for the ego to hear, right? Like, no, I'm right. What do you mean? I know who I am. I know my story. So remember when you're going into this, part of it is you are actually rewriting the narrative that your ego has constructed about yourself. And that is hard work. And so if we can separate a little bit and kind of pull back and say, oh, that's, I'm actually rewriting. I'm rewriting a narrative. You can start to give yourself a little bit more compassion about why do I keep repeating this pattern over and over again? That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Christy. Christy. Lisa, come back to earth, please. <laughs> Christy, okay. Hi. Um, so I think two things I've been thinking about around new love. Um, one is to value and um, pay attention to actions more than words. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the poetics of love and think I kind of miss the mark around the actions. And then I think the second for myself is something Vanessa touched on. And it's like rewriting that narrative of that has played out time and time again in my long-term relationships, just around what my ego truly believes about my worth. So um, yeah, it's deep and hard work. And that's where so much of this discomfort comes from, right? Because if we meet somebody that actually challenges that belief structure that we have, it's gonna make us, it's gonna put us on high alert. It's gonna put us on defensive where it's like, obviously there's something wrong with this person or this situation, this, right? It's them that something's wrong with that. When actually a lot of that discomfort comes from they're actually challenging the bullshit beliefs you have of yourself. You're unlovable, you're whatever. And so, that's part of why we kind of obnoxiously always say, it's like lean into the discomfort, lean into discomfort. You know, that's why therapists say this because if you can get into that and you can get to the other side, you might learn something new about yourself, right? Like you might actually learn, 
oh, I am livable. Oh, I am worthy of this. Oh, I am, you know, um, but it takes that discomfort first. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to do something a little different today and because uh, uh, we haven't done a Q&A in a while. So, you know, we've got about mm. 10 minutes left. It doesn't just have to be about uh, what we're talking about today, but what we've been talking about or um, anything um, about us or, you know, couples counseling, whatever. Uh, if you have questions, uh, we always want to, you know, be there to, to answer any questions. That anyone, yeah. So if anyone has uh, questions about anything, you could just raise your hand. Uh, Zustifer. Zustifer. Like <laughs> Hello. Hi. So I'm I'm coming out of a what was very serious relationship, but also kind of short and quick. You know, it was a rocket ship up to like engagement and mm. uh, child created and miscarriage and mm. very quickly crash and burn. And it's been really, really challenging for me. And at the same time, I'm trying to figure out, you know, she ended the relationship and I'm trying to figure out how to really move on myself. Like part of me feels like I will never really move on, mm -hmm. you know, and at the same time, I'm meeting somebody new who I'm very excited about and I want to give the proper chance to, but I still feel like so held up, you know, mm -hmm. and I just want to like really be present with this new person. But I also feel like, you know, I'm nowhere near healed, you know. Well, I've got a lot to say on this, but yeah. First. <laughs> uh, the first thing I want to say is uh, there are stages of an inspired relationship, like there is grief, and I think people don't realize that. Like we actually go through, you know, the uh, uh, the stages: acceptance, denial, jealousy, like all of these things, and so. Um, a lot of people say, yeah, I need to get over my ex. I need mm -hmm, to um, mm -hmm. move on. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's on your timeline. I think it's going to uh, be based on um, almost letting go and allowing yourself to heal. I also don't think that you have to wait. This is, you know, the, it depends on where you're at to love someone else. I think there can be, um, you know, uh, uh, overlap. Right. Because yeah. a lot of people are like, well, when can I start dating? When can I, you know, jump into something new? Um, and of course, the, 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 I, I think it's different for everyone, but I don't think one has to officially close. You know, you, you don't have to wake up one day and have zero feelings for someone else to then say, okay, now I'm going to move into someone, something new. Um, I think you just have to be honest with whoever you're dating, with what you're at, what, what you're struggling with, and, um, and that you're also interested in this new person. Yeah, and I want to add to that and say, um, I want, as a culture, I wish we would all get rid of this idea of being healed, because it's kind of like this idea of being happy. It's kind of it's kind of arbitrary. Like it's not a tangible thing that we are like a finish line that we actually see and get to. It's a lifelong process. So even I, I would I would much rather within these like these conversations we use the word integrate. Like you have integrated this experience into who you are right? Because you don't get over something, you integrate it into who you are, and it becomes a part of you. It's never not going to be a part of you ever. And you know what? Thank God, because whatever you learned from that experience, you will carry with you in a lot of good ways too, not just bad ways. And so I love what John's saying about, I don't think there's a where like you wake up and you go, oh, I'm healed. I can, I can date somebody new. I think you can hold both at the same time, as long as you're not hiding from or running from 
through somebody else, right? Like that's the only question I usually ask people is like, do you feel like you're hiding from something or do you feel like you're using this person to kind of like numb, you know, what you're going through? That would be the only thing I would I would really sit with and contemplate. But if you don't feel like that rings true for you, then I'm in alignment with John where I feel like both things can exist. And I don't think you need to give the person that you're dating, especially if it's new, like a ton of context. I think you just say like, I got out of something. And it was really painful and I'm still working through like, what were the lessons? You know, I, I'm still in a lot of heartache about it sometimes. You know, I feel like I, my ex, my ex relationship and I, it's been seven something years and, and every once in a while it'll still come up, you know? And I'll talk to John about it actually. And we'll, we'll talk about what that is for me. Um, so it's just not that linear. It's not that clean cut, you know? And I, and I, I think John and I are both saying the same thing in a different way. It's like, give yourself compassion and grace to know that it's messy and it's not a straight line it's squiggly and and that's okay it means you're normal and human also um, zeus there's something called secondary loss and yeah. so if you uh lost a baby with her yeah um with that you lost a um picture of the future what could have been you know and so um Grieving that too. there's a lot of layers it's not just someone that you you love but uh there was maybe possibly a family there. There was, you know, so you, there was this this uh, this future that you guys were building, and that secondary loss um, was right. also lost in the the crumbling of the house, right? So um, that's huge, man. Yeah, yeah. it's worthy yeah. of the grieving process yeah. too. And uh, the other thing is, um, I think the new will eclipse the old, and I think it takes time, mm -hmm. you know, and so. Um, it's going to take time. Yeah. Thank you for being in here. And yeah, also being, um, being a man, uh, being in this room, uh, making an effort to uh, learn how to have uh, healthier relationships uh, mm -hmm. is noble and rare. And so Great. I really applaud that, man. Yeah. Yeah. And your beard is really awesome. We love your beard. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, as an Asian man, I can only grow one long hair and <laughs> just wrap it around my face. So I'm a little jealous of your your beard. Thank you. Yeah, oh, there there are more men in here. There as are well. more men. Yeah. You just can't right. see everybody's yeah. faces. <laughs> um, five minutes. Anyone else? Questions, comments, way, thoughts? Okay. Go okay. all the way back to the, no. Yeah. Oh, Patrick. Thank you. Um, hopefully, this question applies to everybody. Uh, I was. I was married for 19 years. And uh, so when I, and I was divorced for two. So when I finally read single, when I read single on purpose, it was like this light bulb. I'd never really worked, done me. I'd never figured out myself and mm -hmm. how to be single. And much like the, the, the new infatuation high, I think I had like a single on purpose high for mm -hmm. like a couple of months where I was like, I'm going to rule, you know, yeah. I'm so good at this single on purpose <laughs> thing and I'm killing it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you hit, you know, you just like you go back, you know, it's like any new goal, really. And so my question was, was and I, and I think I could apply whether you're in a relationship or not, because I know you talk about that in that book a lot. But how do you keep it going without, you know, going back, letting the ego start to take over again, going back to old habits, not focusing on things? You know, my goal is that I feel like a lot of you guys are ahead of me and that's awesome. So I'm glad to be here. But I want to get to that place where I'm, you know, feel like I've really done the work to where. I'm in that, you know, now I know not fully healed, but truly ready to to fully jump into a relationship all the way. And I feel like I have some work to do, but I, I don't want to get distracted and fall back to old habits. So it's the concept of keeping all of that going, you know, over time and not just in, not just for a couple months. If you've enjoyed this episode, 
and you want to engage with Vanessa and I directly, we're running our second ever couples retreat in Idlewild, California, September 9th weekend. And we're going to cover everything from... You almost said first. You almost said it was our first retreat. I saw you. And then you corrected yourself. You're wasting valuable (laughs) ad space time by correcting me. So as you can see, we still are working on our own issues. Uh, Codependency. Recovering from codependent behaviors within our relationships, which everybody struggles with. Everybody. Attachment styles. Overfunctioning and underfunctioning, and how that damages relationships. Love languages. Keeping the spark alive, so maintaining eros and desire. Loving without your past, and a lot of concepts. Without fighting, that's a good one. A lot of uh, concepts from our book. It's not me, it's you. So just uh, go to my Instagram and tap my bio link. We're only taking eleven couples, so if you're in- into this, I would. Um, Try to reserve a seat as soon as you can. At The Angry Therapist, hit my bio link and you will see it there. And we will see you in the woods. It's kind of creepy. I think there's already been um, a secondary change, especially if your singlehood journey recently has been new and different and not something you've experienced before. And I think you should trust that. So I think what's coming in is a lot of fear and, oh, what could happen? Or maybe I'm not you know, there yet and all that, um, which may be more in your head than you think. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like you should trust um, the, the journey that, that you're on and all the work that you've already done that, that, that means something, that there has been shifts in you. Um, whatever you get into next, there's no way you're not going to go into it different because you've already, you're already, you're already different. You already have new questions and you, you know, so, and I also don't like this idea of there, meaning, um, it's not linear, you know, I don't like, yeah. And you said, you know, I think you guys are further than me that like, that doesn't, I don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. I I don't, we, we are all on our individual journeys. There is no scoreboard. We're not all running toward a finish line, you know, um, that line, uh, those act breaks are all tied to your story and you can't compare it with uh, anyone else in this room. And also, um, I think we need to reframe this idea of falling back into old patterns because it's falling back into old patterns where you grow. We need to stop being so afraid of that because it's in those quote unquote slip ups or those snapbacks, like John calls them, or in that falling back. That's actually where the growth really happens because that's when you have those moments of going, <gasps> Oh my God, I did that thing again. Well, as long as you don't uh, live there, as long well, as you right, don't live but there. That, yeah. But we have to be, if we're living in such fear of like, I don't want to make those same mistakes again, then we're not actually living. And sometimes when we just allow ourselves to slip into those mistakes, as long as we're doing it with awareness, that's actually where we have a lot of those light bulb moments that in relationship, it actually does push us into the next phase of, of kind of evolution or whatever you want to call it, right? Because you had that self-awareness of like, oh, I went there again and I knew I didn't want to go there. What can I learn from that? Okay, now I can do this and I see, I see this differently and oh my God, I recognize this. And a lot of times if we're standing at the edge of it because we're so scared of it, we miss all of that opportunity for revelation. So I just want to say like, allow yourselves a little bit more permission to fuck up and be human because it's in that fuck up actually where the growth is. Like that's the juiciest part. As long as you're honest and you can own your shit, right? Like, I'm not saying go in and, you know, tear things up, but, you know, own it. Hey, I did that thing and I'm really sorry about that. I didn't mean to sound like a shithead. You know, it's like we can still learn from that if we allow it. 
Yeah, and I think the difference is the awareness piece. Yeah, uh, I the come from piece. addiction. I work with, uh, I've worked with addicts, and Fuck up to show up, Wayne. <laughs> and uh, when they relapse, um, they think they're back at zero. Right. And so the the, the relapse um, can be different. Cuts and, them off at their knees sometimes, right? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of judgment, shame, yeah. blame. Oh shit, I did it again. That mm-hmm. means I'm a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe the relapse was shorter this time. Mm-hmm. Maybe the relapse was less intense. Maybe you know, there's so many wins. Mm-hmm. And so to label a slip up or a falling back, or in this case with love, repeating uh, you know, patterns, or dating someone that you did you promised yourself you would never date and now you're back, you know, at that person's house or you know, done whatever. Um, just the awareness of it is mm-hmm. already is, yeah. And maybe you <laughs> have to go through this to get to where you where you want to go. So yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank you for that, Patrick. Lynn? Lynn, you want to take us home? Yeah, take us home. Yeah, I want to go back to um, actually what Zustafer was talking about because I'm on, and I appreciated hearing what you guys said to him because I'm now on the opposite side. So I am that person who has been told, hey, I'm still grieving my past relationship, so I need some time. Hmm. And I don't know exactly what that means because we haven't had that conversation, but I'm struggling with the anxiety of what is he truthfully saying? What is leading me on? Hmm. What I mean, and how I'm supposed to act? How am I supposed to have contact? I mean, what is just giving a hand? What is just standing by and letting him work through it? I don't know what to do or what to be or. Can I start this one? Yes. So. This idea of what should I do and what shouldn't I do and how should I act and how shouldn't I act? You should be having a conversation with them. Yeah. Right. We know this. Yes. And, and, and I tried, I tried. Right. But here's the thing, Lynn, if you say to somebody, Hey, listen, I'm struggling, be honest, right. I'm struggling with the anxiety around this. I want to be respectful, but I'm not quite sure what that looks like or what that feels like. And so I want this to be a dialogue. Right. And if they tell you something like, let's just say, I can't do this right now. I need a month. I'm making this up you get to say that doesn't work for me. Okay. And I've done that. I did say, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling disregarded or ignored. Yep. And um, it was like, Hey, don't take it personal. I'm talking to my dad right now. I mean, so it's, it's just been hard to do that connection. So I'm just like, okay, well then I'll just leave it. And he'll either reach out or he won't, he'll either deal with it or he won't. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think your answers. Um, are not found in the thinking, yeah. which you're doing, right? Yeah. You're doing a lot of math. I think yes. the answers are going to be found, um, although probably be you know painful sometimes, is going to be found through the experience of going through this. Right. Yep. And then, the conversation, um, the dialogue. Dropping into your body and what it feels like to you to actually draw this boundary or say this, what someone, um, you know, how someone takes it, um, letting someone go possibly, you know, all yeah. of these things that are hard. Okay, um, that's what I needed. Yeah, it, it's not in the thinking. So get get out of your, your it's in head. the action, right? And that's why yeah. I say like say it to them, you know, and 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 then you get whatever information they give back to you. I mean, that is information that you yep. then get to to act on, whatever that looks like, you know. Perfect. Nope. I appreciate I needing to hear that from both of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>